0: Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, to the message. Here we go, to the Batcave. Um invite you to turn in your Bibles. Listen, last week we went to the end. Today we're going to go to the beginning, and then we're going to go to the end. So if you turn to Genesis chapter 3, that will be page 4. It's a really tough one. Page four. So go to the beginning, and just a few pages in, uh, we're gonna we're gonna start there. Um, and uh, as you're turning there, um, I just want to kind of qualify this message a little bit. The older you are, the more this message will mean to you. This is not. I'm not trying to be ageist in any way. Um, but the the older you are, the more this message will mean to you. And this is not to disparage the youth in any way um but the truth is that the more trips you've made around the sun the more this message is going to resonate in your heart and uh, you'll see why as we go um this past year uh, i've i don't know how many know but i've been finishing up a master's degree that i started about 16 years ago <laughs> uh, it just took a long time for me hey don't judge me right it just took me a while um but uh, I was I was doing a doing a degree. I, then we got married, had kids, and everything just stopped. And so, for some reason, I decided this would be a good year to finish it up. And uh, so, I have been uh, been doing that uh, through Southeastern University. Uh, my degree is a mammal, a Master of Arts in Ministry Leadership, M.A.M.L. They call it a mammal. I'm like, all right, sure, that sounds good. I'll be I've got a master's in mammal. Um, but I got seven weeks left. Seven weeks left. Not that I'm counting. Um, uh December 12th, I'll be finished, and I cannot wait. <laughs> I don't know if anybody, any kids, you can't wait for Christmas break, right? Like, Christmas break seems like, yeah, okay, that's how I feel. Like, I can't wait. It's been great. It's been a wonderful investment. Um, December 13th is going to be a really good day. <laughs> uh, I'm tired. I'm just tired. I'm, like, because, you know, I've I got, I got a job, i got a family, and then i got to do, like, 700 pages of reading this week, and it's like, ah, oh, I don't think I can do this. Um, and I'm just tired. The, this past weekend, um, week from Thursday through yesterday evening, our staff got to go away, our pastoral staff got to go away for a fall, our fall retreat where we kind of plan out the year. Look at that, that's where we were. Isn't that beautiful? That's, uh, I don't even know what the lake's name was. I was just like something like that. Um, it's it's somewhere in the Poconos. Um, it's in whatever he said. Yes, T.D. song. I don't know. Something like that. It's, it's, it was beautiful. It was absolutely awesome. And we got a chance to go. Um, somebody in the church here had a home there, lent it to us for a few days. And it was an opportunity for us to kind of get away. Um, and we basically had three different parts to the retreat. First is we review and just say, what has God done in the past year? And we reflect. And then we take time to say, okay, so where are we right now? And then we take time to say, okay, and where do we think God is telling us to go in the future? And so we kind of spend some time, uh, you know, orienting ourselves. And it was a really wonderful time. Um, and we continue to do this year after year. And, uh, you know, you begin to wonder after a while, like, when are we ever going to finish? Like, like, when when is a church done? <laughs> yeah, we, are we ever going to get there? Um, Uh, it's very, very different than a degree program. Um, There's something about the push, right? That drive to the finish line, right? It's exhausting. It's stressful. It's tense, but it can be rewarding, right? There's nothing like crossing the finish line. Would you agree, right? No matter what you do, if you're running a 5k, a five miler, a marathon, if it's school, (coughs) um, this is why teams celebrate championships, right? Like you finished it, you're done, you did it, we're going to celebrate. <clears throat> it's why graduates put on square hats and robes, right? We're going to celebrate an accomplishment because it's done, right? There's that sense of finality there. Um, it's why parents remodel their kids' bedrooms when they leave home, you know, for good. It's a celebration, we're done, they're gone, they left, we kicked them out of the nest, right? This is good, we made it. Some of you don't know what that feels like yet, <laughs> um, and your kids are very old. Um <laughs> There's just nothing like the relief of being done. But the greatest challenge can be when you can't see the finish line. Right? When it just seems to go and go and go and go and go. And you're like, How long do I have to keep running this thing? When the task seems endless and daunting. You know, you ever been ever been in I don't know if you've ever like in life you kinda you climb and you, you get to the top of the mountain and you're like, Oh, I did it. Only to find that there's another mountain. You're like, oh, I just thought I did this. And I don't know that I have the energy to do it again. And again. And again. And it just seems like, you know, you're done. It's, It's a lot like life. You know, you're born. And it's a lot to be born, right? You're burst out into this world. And it's like, oh, no. You survive infancy. You depend on others to feed and care for you, and you're utterly helpless. And you think you can make it because you can now feed yourself. I can survive on my own, right? I have the skills. And then, and then you hear about this thing called walking. And then you learn to walk and talk, and you read, and you think you've made it. Now I can walk, I can talk. And then here comes school. Ah, and that in itself is a challenge. But then once you begin like third, fourth grade, you kind of figure out school, and you're like, okay, I got this. I got school. I know, I, I know the rules. But then come pimples. And puberty. And emotions. What are these things inside of me? And why do I feel this way? And why am I angry and then happy and then angry and sad? And then what is popularity and school dances and all sorts of awkward. And then finally middle school is over and finally that awkward stage is over, right? And then you hit high school. And then dating and college pressures. And what are you going to be? And each step grows in complexity. And once... Once you figure out where you're going to go to college or what career path you're going to pursue, okay, you know, you've got a chance. Okay, now I've I finally got over the hump of figuring out what I want to do with my life. Now I've made it. Only to find out that then you actually have to get a job. And maybe a marriage or a career and kids and financial pressures and a home and retirement fund and providing for your kids and the pressure just seems to build. <sighs> Like there's another mountain and another mountain. And then aging parents and you worry about your kids as now they are in middle school and high school and you're going through it again with them. And the struggle never ends. And we retire only to worry if we saved enough and then health issues start to confront us and not to mention all that is happening in the world. And so you can add fear and anxiety and worry into the mix. And what if and how do we know if and how do we make sure and I can just feel like it's a constant push with no relief. As I said in the beginning, the older you are, the more this will mean to you. Again, I'm sort of not really there yet. I'm kind of coming up on halftime. I'm not really there. You know, almost a 40, right? So we're, we're right about there. In Lord of the Rings, um, after the, the Hobbit movie has happened, so you've got The Hobbit, right, which is sort of, if you don't know the story, there's this little creature named Bilbo Baggins, who is a hobbit and this is Bilbo, and Bilbo, when he was younger, finds this magical ring, and that's the whole story of the hobbit, this adventure that he goes on, and hobbits don't do adventures, but he has an adventurous spirit in him. And uh, I'm, I'm a Lord of the Rings nerd, I love it uh, very, very much so. And it's because he was a took. Uh, his great-great-uncle was a, had an adventurous spirit, and so it passed down to the generations. And he decides to go on this adventure, finds this ring, and it sets the stage for this other... Other story called *The Lord of the Rings*, and uh, he finds this magic ring, and it gives unnatural vitality to its wearer. Um, as he wears it, he just—he doesn't seem to age. He just seems to be perpetually the same age in youth, and at least on the outside, on the outside he has no change in appearance. He just doesn't age. But the *The Lord of the Rings* starts with now his birthday party, and it's going to be his 111st birthday party. <laughs> Which we would call 111, but he calls it 111st. Um, and uh, on the inside, though he's, you know, unchanged on the outside, on the inside, he's tired. He's very tired, and he's beginning to feel the effects of all those years. And he dreams of relief, and uh, relief is only found in the Elven Kingdom. I don't understand, but that's where he's going. And um, he goes on this journey to the elven kingdom and uh, he leaves the ring behind, just like this big struggle for him, but he leaves the ring behind and he moves forward and he describes his his emotions, his feeling at that time in his life as this. He says, I feel thin, thin, sort of stretched, like butter scraped over too much bread. Does anybody feel like that right now? <laughs> Like, you just feel thin. Right? You feel tired. <laughs> Shayna does not feel thin. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's Baby's coming Wednesday. It's almost there. We're almost to the finish line. You're almost there. <coughs> but, in a way, life has the tendency to wear us out. That continuous climb, right? And we are all... Bilbo. (laughs) So what did you learn in church today? The pastor called me Bilbo. Yes, you are all Bilbo Baggins. You are spent and you are empty. And it's just the reality of life. We get tired. Let me tell you. Isn't there something about Sundays that just makes you want to take a nap? Like... Listen, if you need to take a nap while I'm talking, that's my gift to you today. That's okay. I understand that you need it because you're thin. Listen, we talk about it today. If you need to close your eyes and take a nap, no judgment. Some of you are doing it already anyway. Again, if you don't know, I can see you. So, yes. Um, but I'm used to it. I've been doing this for years. It's okay. I don't mind. I don't take it personally. <laughs> but there's a reason that we need rest. Rest. And it's because we were designed to rest. It's the way we've talked about Sabbath and things before, but we were designed to rest. Life was (laughs) meant to be filled with peace and with rest. It was meant that way. Everything was provided in the garden for Adam and Eve. In the beginning, if you go back to the creation, everything was provided for them. They had food, God was there, everybody was vegetarian, even the animals Right? The animals that said they were supposed to eat the green, they they, they weren't eating each other. They were just eating. Everything was good. They enjoyed life in paradise. You know, Hakuna Matata. Right? No worries. But something went horribly wrong. Like, really, really wrong. And we read this tragedy in Genesis chapter 3. So if you're there, page 4, you can read it. It'll be on the screen as well. And it says this. It says, There was this serpent. That God had created, right? And it says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Which is, no, that's not what God said. If you know the story, God said there's only one tree not to eat of. And he said, the rest is for you. Just don't eat of this one tree. So the serpent asks a deceiving question. Did God really say you must not eat any? And The woman says, of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the servant replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. It was actually the truth. He wasn't lying, in the sense that the fruit wasn't what was going to make them die. The woman was convinced and she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. It says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. Just think about this. They're just walking around and... Right? In paradise with God. I mean, everything is perfect. But they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord God called the man, Where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord said, Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Adam blames two people here. He blames the woman, but he blames God. It was the woman you gave me. Do you hear that? Blaming two, both the woman, and he blames God. It's not my fault. You gave her to me, and she did it. Sin immediately, instantaneously disrupted the harmony and peace of life. And in this story, this, this is what we can hear that sin caused. Sin caused fear, sin caused shame, hostility, resentment, and it clouded his judgment. Tell me that's not a devastating mix. Instantly in the garden. Verse 13, then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? And the serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. She blames the snake. Sin created greed in her. Listen, life is perfect. you got everything you need. And she wanted more. Sin deceived her. And she foolishly listened to his intentionally hurtful advice. And there were consequences to this. Verse 14 says, Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Verse 16. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. I'm sorry, Shana. And in pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. And to the man he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. So the consequences of sin we can see here. Hostility, pain, discontent, labor, and death. None of those were in play until that moment. That was a bad day. Can we agree that was a really bad day? Let me ask are those things still present in our world? Is there hostility? Maybe a little bit? A little bit? Is there pain? Is there discontent, greed, the desire for more? Do we need the labor to work? Is there death? Can you even imagine a world without even one of those things? Could you imagine a world where there was no hostility? A world where there was no pain? A world where there was, everybody was content? A world where you didn't have to work? A world without death? And could the, the, all of those things, boom, instantly. Can I tell you, that's why we're tired. It's because of sin. It's why we're tired. It's why we're desperate for a break. It's because this wasn't God's original intention. The older we are, the more appealing rest might be to you. If you're young, maybe rest doesn't seem like such a great thing. I don't need rest. Hey, good on you. Well, you know. But the older you get, rest is just as appealing. But then comes the most incredible news, and here's where we can. Maybe go to the back of the book, the end of the story. Revelation twenty-one, verse one it says, "Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old city and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone." Says John again, describing heaven. He says, "And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride, <laughs> beautifully. <laughs> excuse me, dressed for her husband." And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. Now listen to this. This is heaven, right? Verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And he said this to me. Write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Listen to this. Verse 6. Ready? He said... It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. And all who are victorious will inherit these blessings. And I will be their God and they will be my children. So the consequences of sin are very clear. Hostility, pain, discontent, labor, death. But awaiting us in heaven, unity, healing, peace, rest, life. I just want to quickly explore two of these, but just to think about this. Last week we talked about heaven is home. Well, this week, heaven is peace. It's peace. If this world is hostile, there's hostility in this world, there will be none of that in heaven. It will be completely peaceful. Brothers and sisters won't fight anymore. Nobody's fighting over the remote at all. Like we're all liking the movie, right? Like there's no fighting. No no tension between friends. No conflict. Think about that. No more bitterness, no more anger, no more jealousy. No more sides. No more sides. All peace. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 through 13 talks about you know, what the mission of, my mission is as a pastor. And it says, our job will be to lead the church to, to such maturity and unity that we measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That we will be just completely mature, whole and one. Peace. No more hostility. The prayer is very simple. You want to know what to pray? Make us one. That's what you can pray. Pray, God, make us one. Peace. Matthew 5.9 God blesses those who work for peace. For they will be called children of God because God is peaceful. See, and peace is the fruit of love. Love bears fruit. In peace. And God is love, so His home is all about love. He's probably got like a stencil on the wall that says peace in heaven somewhere. And in His home it will be peaceful, completely peaceful. How many of you would like to go to a place where there's just complete peace? No more hostility, no more fighting, just love. Can you I mean, isn't that appealing? Home forever. And you know when you go home for the holidays and there's not peace, it doesn't feel good. It's not home, it's not. It's not. But there's no substitute for a place where you just feel there's peace here. We're not going to fight here. And we've got to work for that here on Earth. We gotta work hard for peace here. There it's just gonna come naturally. But here we gotta work for it. But not just peaceful. There it's also gonna be restful. In John's vision of heaven, God said to him, It's finished. We know that when we get to heaven, we're gonna hear the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. It's over. It's done. No longer will the curse of sin cause us to labor for our work will be done. No more homework. No more budget reports. No more lesson plans. No more weeding the garden. No more work. No more raking the leaves. Heaven will be like the biggest graduation party you've ever seen. (laughs) But we will have graduated from our labor into complete rest. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, identifies our human condition really well. It says this, For we know that when this earthly tent, that's how it calls the body, you're in a tent. This tent that we live in is taken down. That is when we die and leave this body, we're going to have a home in heaven. An eternal body made for us by God himself, not by human hands. Listen to this. He says, we grow weary in our present bodies. And we long to put on heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. I told you I'm going to be at least 5'10". It's going to be awesome. We will not be spirits without bodies. And while we live in these earthly bodies, listen, we groan and we sigh. We sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on the new bodies so these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. I cannot wait to put on a new body. Life is, is labor because of sin. But heaven is pure rest. And we can't ever fully rest here. Okay, we're on a retreat. We're at a lake. I'm just on, in a kayak. I'm in the middle of the The lake, I'm just sitting there, son, it's like 73, it's like perfect, I got my flannel shirt on, I was feeling good, it was awesome, and even in the middle of the lake, I didn't have my phone with me, nothing, but still, you are, you're thinking, I hope my kids are okay, right, like I wonder about what we're going to do later today in the church, and how is this going to go next year, and what about this, and like, you can't find a beach, far enough away to stop thinking. There's just no complete rest on this planet. No matter where you are, it's always there. But one day, it's going to be finished. The work will be done. No more labor. And we're going to get to literally rest in peace <laughs> like for real in heaven we're going to rest in peace i hope that every time you hear that phrase you realize that that is a blessing that you are and that is a hope that you are declaring over everybody on earth listen someday would you learn to church the pastor said he hopes we all rest in peace <laughs> yes i do my my prayer for everybody on the planet is that one day we will experience the gift of God that we can rest in peace forever. And it's not a not doing anything. We're going to talk about that in the weeks to come. It's not that heaven is a not doing anything, but it's going to be a rest from labor. What we do will not be work. It's going to be joyful. So what? What about here and now? Because it's all well and good that someday we're going to rest in peace, but right now I'm grinding away in a hostile world. You know, that's my reality. The alarm clock goes off and i got to get up and i got to, you know, grind it out. Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. See, here's the thing. Heaven bursts through to earth every once in a while. And when we experience a little measure of peace here on earth, it's actually a taste of the eternal peace that we're going to have one day. God said, Blessed are the peacemakers. Because they're bringing heaven to earth. When you love others, you inject peace into a hostile world. You bring a little light of heaven to earth. See, God is the great peacemaker. And he calls us to be peacemakers. To bring peace to earth. And when we do, we're letting people know, listen, what we're working for here now is just a small bit of what is to come. Because this is the perfect Now, our peace is just a small part, but then it's going to be full. See, God brings heaven to you and he lets you spread heaven all around. You know the people that are peacemakers. You know somebody in your life that maybe you had a problem with somebody else and they intervened. And they helped bring peace. And you're grateful for them. And you know what? They're God-like. Peace. When all around people are hostile. I tell you, this is hard. We're driving home from the retreat. Somebody was driving slow. The Fist of fury was coming out. Didn't lay on the horn, though. I just kept it to myself. But my wife may have said something in the car to me. When all around people are hostile, we have to be different. And it's that peace that we inject into the world that brings heaven to earth. That lets people know that heaven is going to be completely filled with peace. And the second thing we can do is choose to rest. Really? Choosing to rest? Yes. I'm telling you to take a nap. See, because rest is actually a taste of heaven. Even in small doses. But there's something about the renewing work Matthew 11:28. Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. See, the promise is for here and now. It will be delivered fully in heaven. God has designed us with a need to rest. Listen to this. There's a story. There's a story about a Greek legend. Andy. In ancient Athens, a man noticed the great storyteller Aesop playing childish games with some little boys. And he laughed. This guy laughed and was making fun of Aesop, asking him why he wasted his time with such frivolous activity. Why are you being like a kid? Why are you playing with these kids? And Aesop responded by picking up a bow, like a bow and arrow. And he loosened the string and he placed it on the ground. And he had asked the critical Athenian, now answer the riddle if you can. Tell us what the unstrung bow implies. The man looked at it for several moments, but had no idea what point Aesop was trying to make. And he explained, If you keep the bow always bent, it will break eventually. But if you let it go slack, it will be more fit for use when you need it. We are the bow. When you rest... You are a more truer version of you. Because rest makes you the best you. Would anybody disagree with the statement that you're not you when you're tired? And if you don't want to answer that question, I'll just ask somebody who lives with you. You're not you when you're tired. And the The truth is that the world needs to see the best version of you. So when we rest, what we're doing is we're letting the world know that God has designed us and created us in a certain way. And that one day He's got rest that's going to make us the truest version of us. Right now, we're broken versions of ourselves. Because can you sleep long enough to not need rest for a week? Can you bank it? No. You just keep wearing out. We're broken. Like there are days we begin to understand, oh, I'm tired because I'm getting, getting angry. I'm tired because I'm getting short with somebody. Right? I'm tired because this is coming out. I get, I get snippy when I get sharp, right? When I'm tired. Like, this is what happens. There's no music in a rest. Right, Nikki? No music. But there is the making of music with rest. Right? You got the build up and then the stop. And then the release of music. Right? In our life the music is broken off here and there by rests, and we foolishly think we have to come to the end of the tune. But not without design does God write the music of our lives. And there's something about rest. The well-known Quaker George Fox said this. Carry some quiet inside you. Carry some quiet inside you. See, we need to come to Jesus every single day. Come to me, you who are weary. And I will give you rest. See, it's a promise for now. So today... Come to Jesus every single day. Yes, this is a come to Jesus story. Come to Jesus. He will give you rest every single day. He will make you a truer version of you that the world needs to see. And then you can bring peace into the world. He lightens our load. He carries our burdens. He gives us space to breathe. And it's a taste of heaven. Let me tell you, there is something heavenly about a nap. I don't know what it is. There's just something about Sunday afternoons that just makes you want to sleep. I think it's a biological clock inside of us that's God wired that lets us know you need rest. You're all going to go home and be like, I feel it. I need a rest. I'm telling you. There's enough heaven for everybody. This is so good. Please share it. You know, when you find the right, like, hiding spot or the right, you know, like your secret spot, you don't want to share it. You find your place of peace and you're like, oh, if I tell somebody else where my private beach is, they're going to get in on the action. Guess what? There's enough beaches in heaven for everybody. It's going to be peaceful rest for eternity for all of us. Share it. So the question is this who do you know? that needs rest and peace? A better question, do you know anybody that doesn't? If your family could have peace from hostility, what would that change? If your friends could have rest from the constant grind, what difference would that make in their life? Do you know people who are strung a little too tight? Maybe it's you. No judging, but maybe it's you. We need rest. We need peace. God gives it to us now. Little pictures, little tastes of heaven. Someday we are going to rest in peace forever. And it's going to be awesome. For now, he gives it to us in small doses. He tells us to work for peace and he tells us to choose rest. That brings heaven to earth. Let me tell you, if you know people who need this, give it to them. Give it away. Ask God to give the gift of rest and peace to somebody today. Pray for somebody that God would help them find peace and no rest. K N O W. Not no rest, no rest. We get to experience a small part of the peace than the rest of heaven. We going to invite Nikki to come on up as we close. Our world is filled with exhausted and stressed out people. This church is probably filled with exhausted and stressed out people. Come on, right? And the world will be drawn to the peace that they see inside of us. When you're a peacemaker, they're going to be drawn to that. Because there's something heavenly about it. And when they see you choosing to rest, they're going to know, how do you have time to do that? You have an opportunity to say, you know what? Go back to the Sabbath stuff that we've talked about. I believe in a God that can do more with six than I can with seven. God can do more in six days than I can with seven. So I choose to take a day off to say, God, you got this. I'm telling you, we are wired this way. We are strung way too tight And rest is a gift that God wants to give you. But it's not just for you. It's because it's a promise that someday it's gonna be done. The work is gonna be done. We work now and, you know, they say if you love your job, you never work a day in your life. We hear that? But there are some things that you enjoy doing and it's not work. That's the kind of stuff we're going to do in heaven. It's the stuff that just, I love to do it. But the stuff that we do here, it costs us. It's labor. God says, listen, I recognize it's because of sin, I'm going to give you the gift of rest. And someday, you're going to have it in full. The more heaven we can bring to earth, listen to this, The more heaven that we can bring to earth, the more people on earth that we can help be welcomed to heaven. Oh, man. I want everybody to rest in peace. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. So I want you just to take a moment now. We're going to pray. I want you to think about your own life. Do you need rest? Do you need peace? Is your life consumed with hostility? Are you exhausted? Just feel like there's no finish line in sight. As I mentioned, maybe this will mean a little more to those who might be a little older today, but we're all going to need it. Kids, you may not need it today. But you need this one for the future. Tuck it away. God's a God who gives you peace. He's a God who gives you rest. Just take a few minutes and prayerfully just say, God, show me what I need today. Thank God for heaven. Thank God for that hope. Maybe God needs you to be a peacemaker today. And you know it. Maybe ask God for the courage to make peace with somebody, to bring a little heaven to earth. Maybe you just say, "God, help me to have the faith to take a break, to choose to unstring the bow, and to let you do with my life what I can't, to give up control. Just take a few minutes. You can respond on your connection cards. You can just pray, however you'd like to do that. Take a minute and then we'll close our service in just a few moments. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about tree please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.